Good morning. I will be reading from the book of Matthew. Feel free to follow along either on the screen, on your Bible, or on your device. Matthew 5, verse, tiny print here, verse 13. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Morning Restoration. We're going to be right now. Yeah, good morning. Yeah, sorry. should give you guys a second to respond. Um, we're going to be actually right now demonstrating a little bit of that verse, uh, and through Something that I'm hoping and I'm praying will become something of a tradition around here at Restoration. Um, today, we're going to be uh, commissioning Katie in her new role as a student leader with us in the student union. Um, Wednesday nights, for those of you who are still learning the language and the, the different lingo. Um, but uh, this is something that the students have already gotten a chance to experience. Um, but I wanted to bring here to the whole body, the church, to give you guys a chance to take part in this, but also to send Katie with your blessing and with your uh, permission, essentially, to continue her ministry and continue the good things she's doing. And speaking of the good things she's doing, uh, Katie is an awesome person. She is uh, a young woman, <laughs> a young woman that loves Jesus and is filled with energy and with just positive desire to see change. She's got a good character, and that's why I'm very excited to have her on board. I'm very excited for the stuff that she can add to our group today, but also the stuff she can add for the future by setting a bar for future leaders. And so I'm, again, very excited to have her on. So right now, I want to invite you to um, just reach your hands forward and give a silent prayer of blessing and commissioning to Katie, and I'll close this out in prayer after I give you guys a couple seconds. So, thank you. Dear Lord, we just thank you for Katie. We thank you for who God has made her and uh, for what you've done to shape her into uh, this role and into this place that you've you've given her. Uh, we just pray that she'll do well with the bit of, of your work that you have placed in her hands. And Lord, we just send her with our confidence in her and our blessing to her. In Jesus' name, amen. So at this time, um, middle schoolers, please follow me. And I also want to ask you guys after service, if you get a chance, please congratulate her on the new role. Thanks, guys. I am excited to just present a few of the God sightings here with my fellow teammate, Amy. I did buy official sashes for all the women on the leadership team. Sorry. I am going to get some men, some if they want some. So, okay. Anyway, thank you for accepting me as who I am and with all my glory. Okay. Okay. 
Okay, I'm going to be serious now. In this past year, Pastor Rob encouraged restoration to put more focus back on the basics. And as a body, we said yes to being in God's word, increased prayer, serving and investing in others. And we did this in a spirit of courage, boldness, and love. When we did these things, we saw momentum building with increased faith and spiritual breakthroughs, a shift in people's posture, healings from past and present, increase of people walking in their spiritual gifts and calling. When the word of God is activated through spoken word, it carries a force behind it, and lives are being changed. Even in the hardships, people experienced an increase of perseverance, obedience, dang it, trust and encouragement straight from the Lord. I will quickly highlight one of the many areas of ministries that has boomed. Um, the Tuesday night prayer group started from a Holy Spirit prompting and a desire within just a few people's hearts. Pastor Rob allowed that group to be led by the Holy Spirit and grow organically. A core group of people were usually present, but all were invited, and it allowed people to come and pray as little or as much as they wanted. My husband, whoopsie, yeah, my husband and myself um, included. From its humble beginnings, I am encouraged to say I have seen power of prayer and its ripple effect within many areas of restoration. The staff, the leadership team, and small groups, student ministry, worship, and the pre-service prayer time. People have an increased awareness of the Holy Spirit and when to step into the flow of his work. More people are using their gifts of teaching, mentoring, and discipling others. By profession, I'm a hygienist, and I totally love my job. But as of June 25th, 2019, I received a fun calling from the Lord to be a scribe slash historian. Each week, I spend hours in conversation with people of this church and in my sphere of influence. Here's a prop. In this pink binder, I document prayers and all that we see the Lord doing in and around us. It has become this beautiful reminder and history of the Lord's goodness, faithfulness, and his mighty power at work. There are many, many examples of people stepping out in obedience to the Lord, trusting him to use their weaknesses or to multiply their little. Over and over again, we are in awe as we see him equip those weaknesses and turn our little into much. So um, I just have some by the numbers, because numbers are kind of fun sometimes, uh, to partner with what Leslie just said of uh, just seeing the incredible growth and movement of the Lord this last year. So um, at our church, we had 80 kids at VBS, 84 gifts given for Armful of Love, 63 backpacks from VBS, 70 shoes from VBS. 30 children fed on weekends through the Sheridan story at Westview. 30 women on re women's retreat. 32 activated disciples. 12 group leaders. 7 small group leaders. 7 families sponsored by Armful of Love. 5 kids dedicated. 5 adult leaders in student ministries. 
30 or three people baptized. Maybe 30 will be next year's. <laughs> Don't hold me to it. <laughs> Ten two student leaders. So, yeah, we're just really excited. And do you know how many? 13 new members. So this has been um, a really fun year at 2019. I think that um, this six months even, just this is kind of our, our midway, right? And uh, I think this is just the start. So we're really excited to meet again in June and see that this is just kind of starting, right? Um, and continued growth as we continue to say yes and just see him move. So, yeah, thanks. I did listening to you guys, and I forgot to turn on my microphone. Um, thank you, Leslie and Amy. Uh, it's, it has been a fun season of ministry, uh, and I'm just excited that you're here. We are, in case you haven't noticed or came, walked in late, we're doing things a little different today. This isn't like normally how church service goes, where there's 18 different people talking, or we're welcoming new members, or we're blessing and commissioning student leaders. I guess it could be, but... Um, we wanted to say, hey, where we see God at work is really important. That's part of why we do the vision update meeting. And so if it's really important, why not put it in the midst of the gathering? Um, so we are recording in case someone's serving in student ministries or children's ministries, in case someone's away. We're going to make that available as soon as possible today. But um, we just wanted to highlight and include what we see as important, and that's, again, what we feel like God is calling us to do. If something's important, to move it into a prioritized space. Now, I want you to consider for a few minutes this, um, this call that Garrett read, to be salt and light. What does it look like to be what Jesus calls salt and light? I mean, think about it. In a world where they didn't have refrigeration, they had salt. It was a purifier, it was a preservative, and it was a seasoning. It kept things good. It retained the life-giving qualities of food. It's chased off the rot, if you will, and the decay that could happen to food. And it was the one naturally occurring resource that they had actually pretty readily available to them. And in a world where they didn't have electricity, they had the sun and maybe some oil lamps. They were called to be the light. And light means sight. It means warmth. It gives us the ability to perform activities like work and worship, which are actually the same word in Hebrew. Just smoke that for a little bit in your pipe. It's not in a pipe. Pipe, people. Not, not whatever other paraphernalia you're talking about. You guys. I know. This is why you stick to the script. So not only did it provide light and warmth and sight, but it also provided safety. Think about stores that keep lights on in the store even if there's no one there. It protects from predators, whether animal or human. Salt 
and light. If we are people who believe and follow Jesus, we're called to be salt and light, to radiate the goodness and the life-giving qualities that God freely shares with each one of us and invites us to be a part of. Think about it. The call first went out to the nation of Israel to not just be God's people, but to be a light that would go and bless all people. And they kind of failed at it. But Jesus took up that call, fulfilled that call, and passes that call on to his followers to invite everyone to join in. It's not our power or our light that does this. It's the power of God and the light of God within us that goes forth. We're called to let the light shine through us. See, if you read through the I guess they're called the Beatitudes in uh, Matthew 5. They use a lot of nouns. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who are meek, are merciful, are peacemakers. And it's easy to start categorizing each of these things as passive. But actually, especially, salt and light are very active metaphors They do something. They cause things to happen. That's what faith in Christ is. It's this active movement of our spirit and our whole selves. We're called to shine that light and love, not just to the people closest to us, but to all that we come into contact with. And that's what we believe that God's vision for restoration is is to join with Jesus to transform communities. And we do that through multiplying Christ-centered followers and Christ-centered leaders and Christ-centered ministries and even Christ-centered churches. We go beyond ourselves. And think about it. He calls us to join in. To go from the sidelines into the kingdom action. Now, I don't know about you, but... My nickname was JB until I was like a senior in high school. Um, And so this idea of being on the sidelines is actually very personal to me. And it just takes one person to see something inside of you or inside of me and to say, hey, I want you in the game. I had someone in my church named Vicki Sadarsky. She said, Rob, what's God doing in your life? And I said, I have no idea what you're talking about. And she said, I see God's spirit in you. And it radiates out. And I'm like, whoa, I don't see that. But she didn't just say that once. She came alongside me. She was a volunteer with our confirmation experience that I looked back at and looked and tried to find where I could see Jesus and salvation in it. I couldn't find it, but Guess what? Somehow, I received salvation in that experience. I understood in that experience, or God allowed me to understand, that God invites us into relationship. This anyone and everyone can be called off the sidelines. And people who don't get in the game often aren't like, no, no one picked me. We start believing these, um, well, when I was, since I was a kid of the 80s, we believe these tapes right? These recordings, like I'm not talented enough or smart enough or spiritual enough or I don't give enough 
or I can't lead enough, or I, I don't care enough. And even the people who are coming to church are believing these things. And the people who aren't coming to church probably are thinking something like, God doesn't love enough, he doesn't speak enough, he doesn't act enough. But these are lies. The enemy of our soul wants us to believe that we can't be loved or used by God. That's why today we pause to look at where God is at work and to consider what holds us back from joining in. The Gospels tell us, all four Gospels tell us, that there were 5,000 men on this hillside and, and tons more women and children. They were listening to Jesus' teaching all day. There was teaching and there was healing going on. And at the end of the day, Jesus turned to his disciples and said, these people are hungry. Like, literally, they need something to eat. And the disciples are like, where are we going to find all this food? And Jesus asked them to look around. You, f- you figure it out. You feed them. And one disciple said, well, here's a boy that has a lunch. Five loaves and two fish. Now, if you were the boy, what questions would you have if it was your lunch? Now, you can actually play if you want, meaning you can answer, you can offer something. What questions would you have if someone's like, hey, we need your lunch. We need to feed these people. Right? No, that was totally, that was my first thought. Like most of my childhood, teenage years, and even into my 20s. Well, if I give that, what am I going to get to eat? Great. What else? Fine. Fine? Yeah. Well, that's, that's often a response to, <laughs> fine. <laughs> right? If that doesn't summarize what people think of church, woo! Out of the mouths of babes, truth. Fine. Fine, God. Anything else? Why do you need it? Mm. You want to say more? Yeah, sure. Yeah, having to give something without really knowing why. Yeah, it's not going to be enough. How far is it going to go? Ooh, yeah. Out of the unlimited, like seemingly unlimited options of people that are in need, how, how are you going to divvy this up? Do I trust the people who are asking for it to distribute it properly? Ooh, we could spend a little time on that one. Yeah, right? Like five loaves and two fish, can you save one half a fish? I'm a math, I was a math teacher. You can, like I just want one half a fish and one loaf, just a little. Like do I have to give all of it? What does it mean for us to give everything? As you heard from Amy and Leslie, God is doing some mighty works in restoration. I think restoration is showcasing these two pieces of salt and light. And we've been using this image for maybe the last two years of this lighthouse. And ancient lighthouses had kind of dual purposes. They were used to both light the way to shore and to reach out and rescue and heal the lost 
in the hurting. And we're pretty unique. I've asked around, like, you don't have to be a superstar to serve in our lighthouse. If you're willing and committed, then you can join in and you can help rescue. You don't have to have it all together. You can be like, we're all a little broken. (laughs) We all have a few issues, and yet we know that it's not by our power. It's not our enoughness, if you will. It's what God is doing within us. So I like to use that phrase that Jesus is calling each and every one of us off the sidelines and into his kingdom work, his kingdom adventure. And the question really becomes, what's stopping you? With no shame, with complete like care, and as trust develops, vulnerability. What's stopping you? What's holding you back? If God is working through others, he wants to work through you. See, I think that God is inviting each of us into the game and that we don't need more spectator churches. We need more in the game and engaged churches. Places where we can be a place of rescue and healing and hope. A lighthouse to be known, to discover your gifts, and to step out in faith. That's what Jesus was talking about when he said, cities on a hill, lighthouses where we can stand tall, give light, and give it to everyone. And I think we do that through good deeds and good news. That that's how we share God's light. You heard Amy talk about the gifts to Westview Elementary School. The 63 backpacks and the 70 pairs of shoes. You know, two summers ago, we were able to raise through VBS $770, which was like the highest we've ever gotten. Then somebody last year had the idea, what if we crowd fundraised? What if we put that money that kids are doing first, and let's be honest, parents are helping with that, and then we just put it out there on Facebook? We had over $1,200 come into the 700 Actually, it was more than that because it ended up being over $2,100 that came in that we went right back and gave to Westview. And I'm pretty sure that they had to give some of that to other schools, which just got me thinking, what if Westview wasn't the only school? What if we could help more schools? We want, I mean, we've always said that we want the community to miss us if we weren't here, that we are known not just for being people who love Jesus, but for being people who love Jesus tangibly by loving others. We've increased our prayer and our care. They don't take a lot of money, those ministries, but they do take time, they do take equipping. We've had more people step into those things and those activities, and it's been, I mean, an unbelievable blessing to me, but I know it's been a blessing to you. And just in the last year, we've had Tuesdays and Wednesdays this fall that have had a packed ministry center. We have this space, if you don't know, that's like a mile from here. It's a storefront. It's in the elbow, as I like to say, between a Thai restaurant and a bar. It's pretty fun. Um, (laughs) Interesting. But on any Tuesday or Wednesday, we have spiritual direction happening. We have prayer meetings happening. We have leadership team and other team meetings. We have student ministries. And often, this place is filled to capacity. I mean, I was talking to Christine, our kids director, and Daniel, our students director, and in two years, our student ministry could double in size. We are 
actively looking for ways to not just expand space-wise, but expand that ministry and calling leaders into place. And so we've gone from having two or three consistent leaders in student ministry to four or five consistent leaders in student ministry. Our, our teenagers are being discipled. It's good. And through these ministries of uh, bless and immerse, these teaching series that we did last fall and this fall, we've seen people not just come into small groups wanting to read and learn and study, but instead coming to share what they're already learning and to hear what others are learning and to pray together. It's been so, so good. And we want to create more opportunities like that because if we can make experiences like that and life-changing encounters like that, you can't help but want to join in. So we've been talking about these Goals of everybody's known, everybody's generous, and everybody's multiplying. And what we mean by that is everybody's known, everybody has a friend or two or ten at restoration. That um, everybody's generous, meaning everyone's serving and sharing and giving to the work, so it goes way beyond this place, beyond us. And then everyone multiplying means that you can encourage someone else in their relationship with God, and if they don't have a relationship with God, you can encourage them to just take one step towards God and providing resources for that. See, because we started, this church got started in, with the verses from Jeremiah 29, one of which says that you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart that everyone can be found by God. He's looking and searching at every moment. And uh, as we've been growing and expanding, um, we've often needed new ministries, new staff, and new facilities, and sometimes all at the same time. Um, And Jack Rasmussen, John Steiner, Michael Van Dyken, and Christine Vilhauer have done amazing things with this space here. Reconfiguring and expanding and figuring out how we can fit. And anytime that we, not anytime, but at least twice in the last three or four years, when we have considered looking for new facilities, we've had to pause because we've had to look for new staff. But currently, our ministries are growing, our staff is stable, and we're in a good place. And biblically, good means that God's potential for life that brings life is present. Think about a seed in the ground. There's all the DNA to become what it needs to become with light and warmth and water. That's what good means. And so we've been looking at that idea of flourishing, and we think that it means focusing on strategic ministry and mission priorities like our kids, like our students, like our groups, as well as developing a long-range facilities plan so we don't have to stress and we don't have to run after things, but we can be planful and mindful about where God is calling us to go that can not only help our current ministries flourish, but can bring healing and help to those well beyond us into our city. So in a moment, you're going to hear a financial update from John and Don that's really actually pretty good news but it's also news that takes all of us. It goes back to those lies that I started with of thinking we're not enough and those fears that stop us, like the young boy who stepped forward and offered his lunch. It wasn't 
nearly enough to feed the disciples, let alone the whole crowd, but he offered it anyway. See, as we continue into 2020, I believe with all my heart that that's what God is asking us to do. To bring whatever we have of our time and our talents and our finances, even if we believe it's not enough, and to offer it anyway. That we do that willingly, cheerfully, and generously. Not forced, but in a conversation with Jesus, and we see him make it more than enough, holistically in all the ways. See, uh, for a long time, I didn't step into the area of finances because my dad's a banker. I've never felt like I could do it right, and I just didn't want to mess it up. And I don't want to lead us as a church to just be another institution. I want to lead us in ways that bring life that goes beyond us, that doesn't just give money to support the institution, that gives money and and people and ministries and missions that support the kingdom of God. God's been doing some work in me in the last year to step into places where I don't feel like I'm enough and to lead courageously and vulnerably So I believe with all my heart that God is calling us as a church to live out our church finances like we are called to live our personal finances. I believe in line with God's principles, that's to give 10%, to save 10%, and to live on the rest. And by the grace of God, this is how my wife and I live our finances. This is how Um, I think we should be aiming for as a church to live our finances. And I just ask you what it means for you to live this way as well. Again, not shaming, but just willingly inviting you into that conversation. You know, we have a, a friend of restoration who found herself homeless and jobless for a season. And she gave when she only had a few dollars a week, she felt, because she felt like God was telling her that she still needed to tithe. So she would go to church and she would drop about 40 cents into the offering plate and she had to battle shame in the midst of that. But God worked in her heart in mighty ways. It's not about the amount. Jesus says in Luke 21 that when he was in the temple watching rich people give of their surplus, Jesus saw this woman who had two small coins. She stepped up to the offering and she gave them. And Jesus said, this woman gave more than anyone else because she gave everything she had. We're not up here to say give everything, but we are up here to say, what does it look like to give willingly, generously, and joyfully in all our areas, in our time, in our relationships, and with our finances? For those of you who haven't given regularly, this is an area that God does say, like the video said, to test him in. That's very convicting to me because I do test him in other ways. But I have started to test him in this and he has shown himself faithful. Because when we do that, it frees us to give more for God's kingdom together. He does own it all and he invites us to manage it wisely. 
And so John and Don are going to come up and talk about what it means for us to manage wisely and how we have, I believe, managed wisely. Thank you, Rob. Um, before we dive into the conversation about budget and finances, I just, have to, I just have to say there are a lot of people that help manage the financial picture of restoration um, from counting, ushering, um, reconciling bank statements for us, taking care of the inflow. We've, we've worked very hard to ensure that as we manage the money of restoration that there are, um, it's not one person, it's not two people, it's a number of people. And I, I count it a blessing that I've got many people that I can talk to who have been involved in this before and who have come alongside of us to, to advise and to encourage and I will continue to um, keep this group of people going. So it's, it's with that blessing that we are, um, that we look forward to our future. As, you know, as we've been talking about life, money, and legacy, um, this part of this conversation now is to talk about where we are, what we agreed upon last June as a church for our budget, where we are today. But then John's going to join us here, and he's going to walk us through a journey, a journey that, that shows um, historically what we've seen and um, some great praises that have been involved that, we, that we've seen in the last year, in the last month, really, and um, what we need to do to consider for our future as we want, as Rob is speaking to the idea of, is it some, are we going to be somewhere else? Our student ministry is going to grow us to a point where we have to make some decisions. And in order for us, like as if, it, if we're going to buy a house, we have to understand what it is we, you know, can we afford this? What can we afford? And so that's really that part of that conversation that John's going to share with us. So um, if you can give me the slide, we'll just take you back to what, back in June, we talked about a budget that we had, had approved as a church, click, um, of $343,000. Um, expenses about the same, so a savings basically net zero. Um, and this, these were the other you know, items of staff compensation, facilities, increases there. Again, always trying to manage as best that we can the dollars that we have before us, how we can spend them as wisely as we can. As of today, or as of the end of December, I should say. Next slide. Click. Um, Again, our budgeted goal, our year-to-date giving is about $179,000, about 52% of our, our expected budget for the year. And our expenses, again, the staff have done a great job in helping us to ma manage the dollars that we spend. And right now we, have, we see a savings of about $30,000 from what we were, where we're at today. So with that, I'm going to hand the mic over to John, and he's going to walk you through what he has found. Thanks, Don. I'm good. All right, so I want to start out by giving a praise. Giving from July through December 2019 is up 10.4%. That is really good. Um, so if you, you see up there, 2018 to 2019, the difference there that came in for those six months. Our fiscal year end, if you don't know, is uh, June 30th. So this is the um, uh, from July to December 2019. So that's an increase of 16,931. And, and by the way, if you're a numbers person, you're going to like this. If you're not a numbers person, just bear, bear with me for a few slides. Um, so next thing I would like to point out is December 2019 was our largest single month of giving. Three times the amount 
the normal uh, giving amount came in in December for a total of 67164 So I, I want to start out with a big praise for, for this. So what that actually did, and it, it came at a perfect time, too. God is just so amazing. Um, we had a $30,000, almost $31,000 deficit leading up into uh, December. That erased a 30, not only erased a $30,000 deficit, but we ended the uh, 2019 in the black by $7,800 uh, $7, uh, to budget. Okay, next slide. Uh, I want to recap here again. You saw in the other slides, the, the budget is $343,833. Uh, that's an average of $28,653 a month, okay? Um, so, which, it's 52.28% it's of the total budget. I, I bring that up because we're, we're, we're on pace. But without December, that number would have been well below 52,000, okay? So we are on pace, so we are in a good spot. Uh, January through June 2020, giving needs giving need needed to meet fiscal year end budget is $164,000, which is just 47.72% of the budget, which is doable. We are on pace. Um, so th the average that would be an average of $27,345 to meet to meet the budget goal. Okay. Um, the reason I'm bringing these things up is I'm I'm leading into something. Um, uh, I was. Um, Part of what Rob said was getting our uh, getting in place to uh, for a facility plan. So in order to do that, we needed to look a little deeper into our finances, and, and not only deeper into our finances, but do a little historical look at where we are, because uh, it's not just about looking for the first thing you need to do when you think about looking for a different place, different facility, is you need to back up. And you need to look at some indices, and some of the indices are financial related, to see how healthy we are, what kind of a position we are in. So this next slide, let's see, here we go. Um, January through June, monthly giving. It, uh, okay, so what I did was uh, I went back three years. I looked at historical giving for uh, January through June. So we're we're in this next phase of uh, next half of this fiscal year. So. The last three years, 2017 through actually 2019, I, I, we looked at the historical average monthly giving, which was $22,520 a month. Okay. In that time frame, there, there was really only one month in that time frame that it actually exceeded $27,345. So, so that's an opportunity for us. Um, if the average giving remained at $22,500 through for January through June 2020, we, we will have a shortfall of $28,950 at the end of June 2020. That may surprise some people, but what has been happening is, and we've noticed is, and, and I'll talk about it in a, in a couple slides later, is to make up that shortfall, we tend to dip into our savings. So what happens is it, um, it kind of hurts our ability to build our reserves. So financial projections. If historical monthly giving from January through June increased by 10.4%, let's just assume that it will, because uh, the last six months did, it'll increase giving by $2,342 uh, $2, a month uh, for an average monthly giving of 24862 
Uh, so the six-month projected total would be 149,172, which would cut the cut it in half. We would still be almost $15,000 short of the needed uh, 164,000 uh, to meet the 2019 fiscal year end budget. Everybody following me so far? <laughs> okay. So looking ahead, what does this mean? Current historical average monthly giving of $22,520 between January through June will be $4,800 short month of the monthly goal, which is really, it's 21.4% shortfall. Giving will need to average $27,345 per month to avoid tapping into our savings, as was the case in 2018 and 2019. Uh, monthly average giving needs to increase by 21.4% in the next six months. Okay, so this is a chart that I'd want you to see. It's kind of hard to read, especially if you're in the back, but if you look at those tall green bars, those are all the Decembers. You're gonna see a disparity between the Decembers and all the other months, okay? So now you can see where we kind of, we're, we're kind of operating like a retail business right now where a lot of our Catch-up happens at the end of December, okay? So the other line I'd like to point out, I don't know if you can see it, there's a $30,000 line there. Uh, one of the slides back, I said that we need to average 27,000. Well, you can kind of see how we fluctuate in between there. So we have an opportunity and a challenge ahead. The other slide I would like to show you is, here's the attendance slide. Attendance uh, for the last several years has creeped up and it looks like 2018 and 2019 are very, very similar. And I think that's an indication of the limited space we're in. We have been growing. We're growing in other ministry areas. Um, but we are we're limited to, to the space that we are in. Okay? Um, so if I can go to the next slide. So what is... I took a basic snapshot of some financial indices. There's a lot of other things that we looked at. I just want to just uh, share a few. We looked at the profit loss in the actual giving to budget history. Things that banks kind of would look at, and banks would look at some other things too, but I want to sh just show you some, some things up here. Uh, our profit loss, our income exceeded expenses all but one year in the last five fiscal years. Actual giving to budget history, so basically actual giving met or exceeded budget only two of the last six years. So what does that mean? Well, it means that we are falling short of budget, but we are doing a pretty good job of controlling expenses, okay? But one of the expenses that we can't really control is rent. We are renting two different spaces, and rent has increased 69% from 2013 to 2019. It increased from 2013, $28,403 annually for an average uh, yearly increase of 4,730. And it continues to increase. But you might say, well, you know, um, why is it increasing so much? Well, we, we are still in an affordable place, if you can believe that. We, uh, according to industry standard, we're still below the, uh, the cost of retail space, what, what it is. So um, even though that the rent keeps going up, we are still in a probably the most affordable space, but the, the position that we're in right now is we are running out of space. So 
Um, attendance, I showed you that attendance slide before. Um, staying steady, it actually kind of 2018 and 2019 are pretty much similar. Um, but we were in increasing steadily from 2015 to uh, 2017, but we've, we've kind of, and, and really it's, we can't set up any more chairs really in here, so. And the, let's see, giving. Giving has increased slightly, while the number of congregation contribution units has not changed from 2018 to 29, so people are giving more. And the last thing I'd like to talk about is uh, checking and savings. Um, this is the amount in checking savings, uh, 72364 and checking 47558 as of, I think, a couple weeks ago. But that number as of the end of November before December started was actually at, for the, for the both of them, was 75000 So what that meant was we had to dip into our reserves until December came, and we, we had that December catch-up. Okay? Um, Whoops, sorry, Don. That was my. <laughs> so uh, I'd like to uh, turn this over to Don uh, for the, he has some more things to share. Thank you, John. Um, it's a great story to tell. I mean, it's a journey. I mean, with all of us, we know how, how our, our spending goes, the, the money that we make, what we do with it, how we move forward. And so with that in mind, um, you know, the leadership team met a, a few weeks ago, and, and click. Um, so, the Dave Ramsey, as Dave Ramsey had pointed out, the six goals for a financially healthy church once met, once immediate needs are met. Save three to six months of operating income. We've got a, a good cash reserve in our savings right now, but as John pointed out, um, the, for the first five months of this fiscal year for us, we had to dive into our savings to help keep, our, keep ourselves afloat for our budget, and which was mean we start to deplete our savings. We all have experienced that from time to time. That's nothing unusual, but we, we hope to be doing better. Pay off our church debt. Well, that's easy. We don't have any debt. So there's a yay, right? <laughs> um, invest in your staff. Um, Rob shared a a phrase with me, I don't remember who said it, but, you know, we're doing good, but we can be doing better. Our staff, again, are, are helping to carry along and make use of everything that they can to make sure they are ministering to people inside and outside of this church to the best of their ability. And for that, we are grateful, but we always hope that we can be doing more. Establish a separate fund for big-ticket building and maintenance expenses. Again, we have a cash reserve right there now for us. We don't have a fund yet set up, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Pay off your mortgage and lavishly fund your mission. Well, you heard about the things that we're doing for Sheridan's story, for Armful of Love. You know, we give to the Northwest Conference and we, we give to the ECC. But once again, we can be doing better um, at some point in time when we get there. When do we get there? And um, then set aside a percentage of savings specifically for future needs. Well, that's the one I want to kind of bring number four and number six into together is. So at our leadership team meeting, um, a few weeks ago, in order for us as a church, we need to lead from the front. And so by doing, by saying that, what the leadership team agreed to and we voted on was to establish a building fund to take 10% of our cash, of our complete cash position that we have right now and to um, put that into a fund that says, okay, here's for our future. You know, we do things out of obedience. We, we, 
you know, God says to test us, and to, so we're going to, we're saying, and being the example here, it says, here's 10% of what we have right now that's going to go into a building fund that is for a building for our future, not for expenses for today, um, and also a place that is, um, others say, hey, I want to be able to give towards that future. There will be a fund we're working towards getting that logistically put together right now and should be done shortly. And then on a quarterly basis, we're going to come back and we're going to say, okay, what's in our, what do we have in savings right now? What can we as a church, again, continue to help fund this and help to move this forward? So, um, because honestly, I believe that it, we can say, well, we got all this cash and savings and we're paying our bills. But unless we make that statement that comes out and says, okay, here it is, God, here's where we're going to go forward. We're going to trust you to help build this. And we're going to test you on this to meet us at this place where we feel that we need to be at. So, I'm excited about that opportunity. I'm excited about what that's going to bring for, for the church. And um, um, I'm blessed uh, to serve in this role. I'm grateful to everyone here and how you invest and how you give of your time, of your talents, of your money. And because without you, we are a body. We are a body of Christ followers. And um, we need to embrace this. I think I'll stop now. Okay. Leslie. Lost my good ending, I guess. Oh, I'm sorry. I should have told you how much is going to be in that fund. That fund, it was, again, 10%. John, John talked about what we have in cash and savings. So the, our building fund will be funded with $11,992. That's our start. Oh, and I was supposed to also say, too, if you have any questions afterwards, or ha we'll, we'll, the leadership team will be around so we can answer any questions that you would have. Okay, where's my band? My worship band should be coming on up here. Oh, you guys. So I have the privilege to kind of just wrap this up. Um, just as Paul prayed over the church in Ephesians 1, 16 through 18. I want to extend this blessing um, from Pastor Rob, the leadership team, and myself um, to you, to all of you at Restoration Church. So, I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly. Asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you may grow in your knowledge of God I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. Amen.